we fill the shop. It, it's you know, we started everything from the layout to marketing to strategies. Everything was in place, and it was doing really, really well. Um, we got we tried to get him to sit down. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then out of an eye, started thinking, okay, obviously something's a, uh, it's a problem now. And when we forced him to sit down, um, he came to the table and he said, yeah, no, it's not happening. And I want you guys out. Welcome to another episode of the I Love Monday podcast. Today we are in Bolton for a very special guest, Fatima Loga, who is the founder of House of Mika Couture. Welcome to the show. Oh, Jazakallah for having us. I wanted to speak to Fatima because she has a real story of grafting where she started her business with a five-year-old son and I believe your business is named after him. That's correct, yeah. And she's done really well where people all over the UK and possibly around the world order from her. Yep. So can you tell us just a bit about House of Mika? Yeah, sure. And um, so we're very much, like you said, I have two boys. I have The eldest is called Mikhail, Mika for short. So we named the business after him. On a side note, he's not into business. Whereas my youngest, Muhammad Umar, is very much into business. It's probably the wrong, the wrong choice um, in terms of naming um, a child, the business after a child. Um, we started a number of years ago, and now, Alhamdulillah, we're, we're started in the house, and now we're a <coughs> multi-award-winning fashion brand. Alhamdulillah. Yes, you've actually won last three years. Yeah, of that's the correct. Asian wedding yeah. awards, fashion boutique of the year. Alhamdulillah, three times in a year, in a row. Um, and we had lots of, it was a very stiff competition. We had, we were up against uh, these names that have been in the business for a very, very long time. So Alhamdulillah, very, very happy to have, to have been nominated and obviously we've won, mashallah. Okay, so tell us a bit about Fatima Loga, where her journey began. Fatima Loga is, was, as a child, very different to the person that sat in front of you. Um, I was very timid, um, I was very, very shy. I couldn't hold a conversation. To maintain eye contact, that was something that I just could not do. And I had uh, an, an older an older cousin, um, so n not too much older, old enough for us for him to be sort of the author authoritarian figure, um, but not too old that you know he he was a, he was just that he was he was also my best friend, and we had an amazing childhood because of him. But because he was a lot older, he made a lot of the decisions for me. Um, so I was very much the bystander in my life. You know, I just went along with him. And we got into a lot of adventure, a lot of mischief. But I, because I was a shy child, I never got into trouble. I never, it was always him. He was always, he, he took the focus of everything. He took the pressure of everything. It's an amazing childhood, but I didn't really do a lot. Didn't really say a lot. And then at the age of 11, I was shipped off to boarding school. Um, so it was an Islamic girls school. And the teachers there were, are also um, cousins and aunts. So few people then decided that okay the teacher's pet and therefore I got bullied <clears throat> so going from not being able to speak not being able to defend myself to then thrown into this environment where I had nobody but myself I, I, I could have gone to the teachers but I you know decided not to so I, re I was really by myself and that's when I think I developed and I became the person that I am today so I was obviously I had to defend myself I um, learned to talk and I was a, a lot more adventurous and I think I became my own a lot more at boarding school. Um, and I think that's probably where I learned a lot of, uh, a lot of graph there when, you, when, you, when you're 11 um, and you go to boarding school and you don't really have rules and or, or the, the rules are there but they're very easy to bend. 
there were lots of things that I realized that I could get uh, that I could get away with. Um, and so I, I think I developed myself there more than anything else. What kind of things were you getting away with? <laughs> Everything. My my sixteen year old is going to watch this, so <laughs> I'm not going to get too much into it. But you don't have parents there. You can do whatever you want to. There are. You go to sleep when you want. You eat what you want. You know. You you you're with. I think it was about three hundred girls, and a lot of them went there because they were very naughty. And so it was a it was a, the perfect environment for an eleven year old um, to just discover. But one of the things that I will say is. We were ne- we, like, we had a curfew for about nine. We were never in bed for nine. We were all out, always outside. A lot of them, um, parties and a lot of musty, if you will. So yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a it was a good life. Um, and then I left a number of years later. And in in the, in boarding school, um, Islamic education is something that's um, quite high. Something Islamic education is is the main focus. Uh, and so even though we had sort of secular education, it wasn't really a focal point. Um, so I was a year behind. So when I left boarding school, I went into secondary school. And so instead of going into year 10, I was actually into, in year nine. Um, and then it, again, it was very different. It was the first time that I was out and it, we had rules that we had to follow. We had, it was a lifestyle that I was living where I was with my parents and we had to be home at set time. We had to you know, follow rules and we were accountability and so forth. Um, so I went to, to an Islamic girls school. And again, it, I think I became a lot more confident with more structure, um, and then yeah, yeah, that was a few. We were there for a few, I was there for a few years. And then you went. What did you study at college? At college, I studied economics, um, government lit and nine, uh, English lit and nine, government, <clears throat> and I studied psychology. So when you started college, what were your what was your vision for the future? So I didn't have an exact vision, but I knew that I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted to be someone. I didn't know what. I knew education really wasn't for me. Um, however, when I was growing up when I was, and when I was younger, education was the path of success. Everybody around me was, was going to college, uni, um, doctors, and you know, so forth. And that was the only thing that I knew. But I knew that that wasn't for me. So I was trying to find what worked for me. I, I wanted to become my own person. I just didn't know what. So when I went into college, it was maybe I can try this. Maybe it's the subjects that you know I, um, I'm not comfortable with. Maybe this is where I'll find my success. Uh, but like I said, it just education wasn't for me. So what were you doing to try and find out what was for you? I think my my growing up. When I wake up every morning, it is, I don't know what today's going to bring. However, I'm going to make the most of it. And I say this to my boys, you don't know what, it could be just, I'm going to go into the office or I'm, I'm going to wake up today and I'm doing something, uh, a mundane task. However, I'm going to, I'm going to try and give it my 150%. I'm going to go into that and try my best. And that's every single day, that's what I would wake up and do. So when I went to college, I knew that I, I education wasn't something that I was into. However, this is what life had given me. This is where I was at in my life at the moment and I was going to wake up and, and try I tried like I said it just didn't it didn't work and then at 19 yeah. your life changed yeah it did yeah at 19 um, I got married my husband is from India so I went to India and um, I got married to to my, to my husband Altaf who I also run the business with um, and again it was very very different uh, my parents my mum she she really liked Altaf. Uh, she really liked the family, and she introduced the topic to me. And she, you know, she thought that it'd be a really good match, etc. And um, 
again, arranged marriages is something that's, that was very common when I was younger. Um, and so, yeah, we, Alsaf and I got married. I was a little baby at the time, I think at 19, because I knew very little. Uh, I was at home, I was living with my parents, but I was so focused on trying to become something that I wasn't doing anything at home. I wasn't, mum, I would wake up in the morning, mum would get ready, you know, get, ready, get everything ready. So food was ready, the household was ready, everything was done. So as a 19 year old, I knew nothing about nothing. And to get married at that, at that age, for me, that was, that was, it, it was, it was, my life changed completely. Um, and then to get married to somebody in India, I think that marriage is hard anyway. But when you get married to somebody um, who's culturally so different, who's there's that language barrier somewhat, everything is very, very different. And so at the, the age of 19, when I, when I took that jump, my life definitely changed. But Alhamdulillah for the better. How did you feel as a 19-year-old, like getting married, you didn't have to run a household, yeah. different culture? What, was, like, what kind of emotions were you going through? So even though I wake up every day and I give everything my, my all, I'm a very big believer that whatever is meant to happen will happen. The only thing that I can do is try. And I trust my parents. My parents, my mum, when she came to me and she said, OK, you know, this is, I think he'd be really good for you. Um, I, I, I trusted the process. And I, and I think it's really weird to say that now, because now that my siblings have got married, um, nobody's got married from, from India. My, 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 uh, my brother and sister both got married from here. And the conversations that they have and the questions that they are asked and, and the list that they have is so different to, the, to my mindset. My mindset was my parents brought somebody to me. We had a conversation. Um, my parents did all the, the, the back work and they found out all about him and his family. And uh, they introduced him to me. We had conversations. Um, and then I, the rest, I, I did his Takara and I trusted the process. Are you the eldest of the siblings? Yes, I am. Okay, so you had to set yeah. that example as well. Um, yes, so that's a lot of pressure. Um, so I think, again, that's another thing. I don't, when I, make, when I make a decision, or when I was younger, when I used to make a decision, it wasn't a case of, okay, I'm the eldest and I need to. But most certainly in the back of my mind, it is always that. It is the, I am the eldest, whatever I do, my, my siblings will follow. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, my, my siblings um, entertained the idea for sure, because it's something that I did. But yeah, I definitely set the standards. And then were you working in retail after that? I was, re I was working a number of jobs after that and also before that. So again, one of the other things was because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I tried everything. So whilst I was studying, I was also working. I was working in retail. Um, prior to that, I was working in a call centre. And so whilst I was, whilst I was working, it was, a, it was a sales job. So whilst I was doing that, I was also working um, retail. And I was also studying at the time. So lots of different things. Uh, but again, it's, I was trying to find, I was trying to find that area that I, that I will excel in. So yes, absolutely everything. How did you manage to do everything? Was it a simple mindset thing where I'm just going to do, give 150%? I, I think so. I honestly, I think so. I think planning also really helps. I am a very meticulous planner. So uh, back in the day, I had a grey board in my kitchen. And so it has days, times, and every single hour that was accounted for. And everything from cooking to cleaning to spending time with the boys. I, I'm a very big believer that you need to have that one-to-one with each child but also as a family as well so trying to fit all of that in along with it with um work everything so yeah i think planning really really helps but then you don't 
when you have that kind of mindset where you're going to give it your everything, if something doesn't go according to plan, that's okay. That is okay. We learn from it. If something, if I did something and it didn't go according to plan, okay, why, why not? Was it just on this day things happened that I had no control over? Or was it because I did something? Was I the result of you know, not going according to plan? And if it was something that I had control of, I'd change it. And if it's something that I can't, it's okay. It, no, it, it happened. It was meant to happen. I'm a big believer of just try it. Yeah. So if something Definitely. comes your way or there's an opportunity, just try it. If 100%. it doesn't work out, then what's the worst that can happen? 100%. And that's a very scary mindset, especially when you have children. But I think that's what's really, really worked for me. It's really worked for me. Um, not always. We had, there was one instance where we went into partnership with somebody else. And Altaf and I have always said we're a partner. Together we don't really need a third. Um, however, the, against our better judgment, we went into partnership with somebody else. And he, he took everything that we had. So we had, Alsaf and I don't come from money. We don't come from, um, we don't come from a family of businessmen and women. We come from very, very humble beginnings. And everything that we had, we worked really, really hard for. So there was money that I put as an investment. Um, Alsaf had money put to aside. And all that money was for my son, for his future. And so we put all of this into a business. It was, a part, it was meant to be a partnership. We put all this money into a into a, a business, and we took out a lot of a lot of debt, a lot of loan, um, and it was a, a really big property. So at the time we were in the in the house, so the next step was a, a property, a, an actual uh, retail presence, and so everything that we had, we put into this property. We didn't sign any paperwork or anything like that. We went of word of mouth. We trusted this this man, and once we got the business up and running, it was established. It was doing well. He kind of took everything that we had and. And you know he showed us the door, um, and so yeah, it it a hundred percent. I think that that mindset really really helps. But then I, we learned from that that it's not always the case. You do need to you need to do your due diligence. You do need to be mindful. You can't just trust people. You ha- you know you have everything has to be signed, and there is a process that you yeah. need to follow. We're gonna touch on that shortly. Okay. Sure. At, at, you were twenty one years old when yes. Mika was born. Yes. Yeah. So then your very young, especially mm-hmm. in, I can't imagine a 21 year old in this day and age, yeah. with more well, married, let alone with a child. Yeah. And then when did you set up the business? Because it's a big jump from yeah. having a child to saying, <coughs> right, let's set up a business. Because business is 24 seven, a child is 24 seven. Yeah. And then you forget everything else, you know, a wife, a mother, the first child. So it wasn't a case of I'm going to give this priority. I've taken all of this on and I'm, and I'm, I'm on to grow. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is I didn't feel like I was a, a 19 year old. I didn't look at the standards that the world's put on us and I didn't look at any of that. I knew that I wanted to be something. It wasn't, I wasn't looking at my age and I didn't think, oh no, I'm too young. I didn't have the experience. The whole world was telling us not to do it. My, um, when we first started the, the Asian clothing business, I knew nothing about Asian clothes. I, I, I couldn't tell you the first time that I wore an Asian outfit. Um, Altaf, again, he knows nothing about Asian clothes. We, we don't come from, we went studying business, so we weren't really set to run a business. Um, however, like I said, I, just, I, went, I knew I wanted to do something. And when, this, when, this, when I went to India um, with, my, with, with Mika at the time to meet his uh, grandparents, I looked around, I saw the prices, I saw the products, and I thought, this is perfect. I think I can take this back home and and, and, and sell these products at a, a really good sort of markup. And that's when we tried. Was that the first business you set up? That's our first business, yeah. 
what was the reception you got from your family? Because <laughs> as yeah. a, you must have been, what, 26 at the time? Yeah, I was 26. I was 25 at the time, yeah. So you're 25. Yeah. You're running a household. You've yes. got a husband yeah. and a child. Yeah. In that, especially 10 years ago, mm-hmm. having a female starting a business mm-hmm. with all that responsibility is not just unheard of, but it can be looked down upon. Yeah, 100%. Um, so two things with that. Again, it's it's not what other people say. It's not what other people... People are going to speak. People are going to have something to say. Whether I'm doing something good, people are going to say something negative. Whether I'm doing something bad, people are going to say something negative. That doesn't bother me. People are going to speak regardless. <coughs> like I said, I knew that I wanted to do something for myself and for my boys. And so it, with that mindset, we started. However, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I didn't have the money to start a business. I didn't have the money to start um, to shop, a shop, and I feel as though that would have been a lot easier than doing it in the house. Doing it in the ha- when 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 you have, like I said, a full time when you have a son, and I'm a full time mom, and I'm a full time um, wife. It is really really hard. When we first started, it was trial and error. We started with five hundred pounds worth of stock. It's very very minimal, and my house was tiny, um, but that's what I had. So I looked at I looked at what I had and I thought, okay, how can I make this into how can I trial this now? How can I make this into a business? So we had um, two rooms. We had a kitchen, a tiny kitchen. So you have two two units inside and a little walking space. So Alta and I couldn't actually walk in in the property uh, in the kitchen together. That's how small it is. We had um, a, a sitting room. We had sofas and then you've got the the rails etc. So that that was it. That was I had one room to showcase to everybody what we had. And so I thought, okay, how do I maximize this now? How do I, I've got, I've got a room. I can only fit two to three customers at one time. How do I maximize it? So we diarized uh, a plan, an appointment system. I knew in a day I can, I've got 12 slots. We broke it down into half an hour slots. I've got 12 slots. I can fill those 12 slots and bring customers in together and, um, and, and, and really maximize that kind of, you know, the, the, the time frame. Uh, so we had customers that came in within the appointment system, but again, even that was hard because when I had an when I had an appointment, a lot of people, if the appointment was at twelve, they would come in at half twelve. We're going into the next appointment slot now. Asian timing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And if we, if I was to explain to them that they're, they're late and I'm not able to see them, oh, all hell would break loose. Um, and so when I was in the house, I didn't find I found that people weren't very understanding. It was no. They didn't realise my, fo- my my vision. It was a brand that I'm trying to build. I don't just want it to be where I'm just selling clothes. There was something. There was there was somewhere that I wanted to take the business, and a lot of people didn't understand this. So I had so many people at the very beginning giving me so much grief because I wasn't allowing them to just walk on in. And when I tell you that I'm a meticulous planner, what I'm I, I'm I kid you not. If I've got a slot booked out for, for customers, before that and after that, it's family time. So it's time to cook, it's time to clean, it's time to see you know, to the boys, it's you know, that one-to-one family time, it's time for me and so forth. So if they're not sticking to that time slot, then they're disrupting my, my whole day. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't, go, it didn't go very well. How are you advertising? Because I don't think there was No, there wasn't Instagram, social media. No, there wasn't. Facebook? We were relying on, on, so, on word of mouth. Okay. But again, that was a problem because people are coming in and they're not, a lot of them are coming in just thinking it's just a house, I can come in whenever. Uh, and we're not letting them in or we're giving them a half, half an hour slot. They're not very happy about it. So they're going back and saying, oh, she's not letting us in. I'm never going to go to her again and so forth. But we persevered. We persevered with every single problem. There, there's a solution. 
So then instead of half an hour, we started giving people an hour slot. Um, and then that soon filled, alhamdulillah, and we got to a point where I thought, okay, well, now we've got the slots, but I, I can still only see two to three people at once. How can I, what can I do now? So we opened up a slot evening, so Monday and Friday, um, we would have an open house session. Anybody can come in. We, it was, I think it was two to three hours. You don't need an appointment. You can just come on in. And we incentivized people to come in earlier. So we knew that we had a full house and people were coming in from the very beginning to the very end. And we had, it was a tiny room, like I've mentioned, we had sofas on one side, we had the rail in the other. And it was really only space for, for, for people if they were sat on the floor. So we had women piled on top of one another just so that we can maximise that and people could see. And we had um, like a promotion within that time. So I really wanted to make sure that that slot was filled and it, it, we were maximising time and you know making sure we're getting enough profit. Um, so that really worked. So with, with, with every problem, there is a solution. Were you working as well? Yeah, yeah, I was working as well. Um, just working in the evening. And that's why we could only do the Monday and, and fr uh, Monday and Friday. So I was working in the evening. I was also working during the daytime, um, but that was, it was a zero hour contract. So it was just whenever. And then of course, um, I was also studying at the time as well. I'm still, I know you're a meticulous planner, but I'm still yeah. trying to figure out how you fit everything in. How did you sleep? <laughs> I don't remember. I'm sure we did. <laughs> I don't remember doing a lot of it. Um, but that's the thing. When you run your business, I think a lot of people, especially on social, see the plus side of it. <clears throat> they see the, you know, the, the positives and all of that. They don't realise how much you actually put into it, how little you sleep, how the business takes over your whole life. Yeah. So, yeah, sleeping probably wasn't a priority. You said you wanted to take your brand somewhere. Mm -hmm. where, yeah. At that time, where yeah. did you want to take your brand? At that time, I would have been I would have been happy with with people, local people knowing about House Maker Chore. That was it. That was the aim then. It wasn't world domination. Now it's world domination. And when when you were in the house, how mm -hmm. long were you in the house for? I was in the house for five years. And you were selling from the house. Yes, so we're selling. From, we started selling from the house. Um, to go back to your early question about how people were receptive. We, we didn't have that many customers who came to us. Where we were living, there were so many other people around the area that were running uh, a clothing business. And so many people were, had been doing it for so many years. So they had that name, they had that reputation. So some, to try to break into that market was very, very hard. I, 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 don't, I didn't have a, a large network of friends. Um, again, you know, I was very young, went straight in from, from college, straight went into uh, got married and then I was trying to live that kind of life so I, I didn't really know a lot of people I didn't have the network so I think I, I was at a disadvantage so I had two options I could have just left it or we looked for a solution and the solution was let us go to customers don't wait for them and so um so then we started doing house parties so out of Bolton we would uh, we would go to people's houses so we had a, a van take all of our stock go to people's houses and we would sell in their house. And again, when you're traveling, you're traveling far and we're making very little, we were purchasing these these items from other people. So our profit margin was so, so little. Um, we need to make it worthwhile. So we're traveling all, all of this way. We want to make sure that not a number of people are coming. We want to make sure that when we're there for those few hours, we're making those sales. And so very quickly, I realized that if I incentivize the hostess, not only is she the best person to sell to the customers because obviously she knows her friends that she's inviting, she's also able to help me um, so I know what to pack, what to bring. It helps me with my further purchases and, and so forth. Um, 
And then when people from each, so we, so we would go, we would go to these houses and we would sell our products or she would sell our products um, and we would give her commission. And when people from that party found out about it, they would then want to hold their own house parties. So instead of relying on customers to come to us, we started going to them. And then when we got to a point where we realised when we, when we had enough house parties within each area, again, it's, okay, I have my time. It needs to equate to money, it needs to equate to profit. How can I then best maximise my time? So we started doing uh, pop-up shops. So we, we would go to a local area. If I had um, about 10 to 12 house parties in that area, we would then hold a, a pop-up shop. So it would just be us. Lots of people would come. Um, we already had that network, uh, we would already advertise, we'd already had their contact details. Um, so yeah, that, that's how house, and house parties started and pop-up shops. How, how far would you travel? Everywhere. Um, <coughs> so London, was, we were regular. Um, uh, Cornwall. Cornwall that's was what, probably... eight, nine hours? Yeah, it's fairly soon. Mika was very, very young at the time. Um, but the, the one that stands out to me the most was when my, my Muhammad Umar, my youngest, was born. Um, we had booked uh, somewhere near Cornwall, Cornwall so um, St. Ives, a number of months prior. So I think it was an Eid event that we'd already bought. And this was before I had Muhammad Umar. Um, so we'd, we'd already sort of said, yeah, we're going to come in. Uh, and Muhammad Umar was born, so he was only three weeks old. And I didn't want to back out. We'd said yes to them. We'd already organised everything. And I had the choice then, Do I? what do I do? So we took Muhammad Umar along with us. And uh, he came to the, his first ever uh, event. We had the, the, the automatic swing and he, he sat in there and he was, he was part, he was with it. He was with us. He was part of it and he was three. So we, we did the... Three weeks. He was three weeks old, yeah. Three weeks old and we did, um, we did that journey with him. So yeah. Do you think that's one of the reasons he's a bit more entrepreneurial because you already had a running business when yeah. he was born, whereas yeah. Mika, you didn't have the running business then? If I'm perfectly honest with you, I think it's because when Mika was born, I was very young. And like I've mentioned to you, we came from very little. When my parents came to the country, my parents' mindset was survival mode. Um, let's put food on the table. That was it. And so, I, we, so we didn't have things that I would class as a luxury. I, I'm, a, I'm a massive Costa coffee drinker. And I class that as a luxury. Even in this day and age, I think that's a luxury. Um, so when I grew up, I didn't have anything. So as we started, as I started becoming older and I started making my own money, I was experiencing life with my son. So he, he was living, the, he was living a, an amazing lifestyle and it was, everything was a first for me. I think he was born into that. So he never experienced hardship. He never experienced longing. Um, he, ex he came into this life and I think he had everything that he could ever want and more. And because I was in the house and I had and I had everything planned, I we did a lot of one-to-one -one with him. So I think he lived a very comfortable life. Whereas with Mohammed Umar, I had a shop at the time. When you go into the shop, you're supposed to leave at six, for example, you're supposed to leave at seven in the evening. Never works that way. It's nine, ten before I get home. I'm constantly there, we're constantly at, at the boutique. So I, I didn't get I don't get to do a lot of one-to-one -one with Mohammed Umar. So Mohammed Umar didn't doesn't have a life that Mika did. Still an amazing life, but not probably not as luxurious as, as Mika does. And so I think Muhammad Umar, when we saw Mika growing up, the one of the biggest thing was, yes, I want to give him everything that I never had. However, I don't want to raise a, a spoiled child. I don't want, I don't want him to be entitled. Um, 
And so, and Alhamdulillah, he's not, but I could, I could see that it could go that way. So we started putting steps into place for Muhammad Umar, where it's not just a mum, can I have this? Yeah, no problem. Can, now he works for it. And I think because he's always worked for things, I think that's why he's, he's a lot more entrepreneurial. I think he sees the benefit of working, whereas Mika's always been, oh, let's go here. And I was very much like, yeah, I want to go here. Let's, let's do it. How old is your youngest? Eight. Eight and sixteen. So the eight-year-old worked for it? Yeah, 100%. How? 100%. Uh, in every way. So I've, I've um, established uh, a really good relationship with him where I, can, where I know exactly what works for him, what motivates him. Um, and he, he, like most children, he loves praise. But he, if he does something, he's very much like, very much, I think he has a, the, my mindset where he wants to give everything 110%. So he'll come into the boutique. We restrict technology, so he's only allowed to go on the phone for a very short period of time. So he works for that. He works for that. So if he, he'll come into the boutique, um, there's, our team know that Muhammad Umar is here, so we'll all find a, something, a little something for him to do. So it might be a case of bringing tags down or organising files or paperwork and so forth. Uh, but we'll all have a task for him to do. And each time he does a task, we'll give him something. So technology. He, he's, he goes onto technology um, for a short period of time. And if he's done something, he... he we give it to him a little bit longer. Um, he gets paid at the end of every shift, so it's only very little, um, but he gets paid for it, and we split his money into three shares, so we, we want to encourage him to start saving. Um, so for every time he saves, we match that. So if he saves £2, we'll match it with £2. So, yeah. It's like our own little pension product. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you were running your business from your house for five years yep. with your husband. How did you delegate the duties or split the duties between you and your husband? What was the synergy like? I think a lot of people concentrate on that kind of balance and if you do this, I have to do this. But we, we were living such a hectic lifestyle that it was never, these are your duties and these are mine. When I, because I was so young, none of us really knew anything about business. I didn't know what my strengths were. I didn't know what my weaknesses were. We, it was a case of, okay, this is what we're going to do this morning. Everything was written. We had, um, we had a structure in place, but it was never a case of this is what we were going to do. We worked really well as a team, alhamdulillah, and it was, I'm, I'll, I'll do this. And if, he needed, if I needed support, he'd jump in. If he needed support, we'd, we'd, we'd jump in, so, sort of thing. As we did this, um, over time, I, I realised what my strengths were and, I, and, of course, my weaknesses. Um, and I also realised what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are. And now we have a system and now tasks are delegated. But at the very beginning, it was just, we want this to be a success and we would just muck in and, and, and get on with it. Was it literally like, OK, these are 50 things that need to be done today. You're going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then if anything needs cover, because when you're running a business... Yes. You can plan for everything yeah. and then you'll get one phone call, which takes half an hour, yeah, yeah. supplier issues yeah. or whatever kind of yeah. issues you have, yeah. and then everything goes out of the window. Now it's very much like that. Now it's a very, very, very clear cut. It's a very, um, it's very distinguished. Altaf has his strengths and that's his area and that's what he deals with and I don't get involved unless I, I need to. Then it wasn't like that at all. It was, okay, from between nine to three, we have customers. We had we used to have a, a, a two-hour break, three to five, when Mika would come in from school. So it was his time, cooking, cleaning, and so forth. Five to seven, seven to nine, again, it was Mika's time, and then nine to 12, again, customers. So within that time, it was, these are all the things that need to be done. We just got on with it. Um, and again, it was, I think 
we're, you know, we're all old enough to know, okay, this is a priority. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Um, but we did everything together. And I think, Alhamdulillah, that's why our partnership works really, really well. When we had uh, an appointment system, I would do all the showing, I would do the sales side, and naturally Altaf would then start putting things away, packing, clearing away, bringing things downstairs, stock management, those kind of things. So just naturally, I would sort of concentrate on the top, the front end of the business and he would concentrate on the back end of the business. Is it still like that today? Um, now there's a lot more that's involved. So he deals with India. Um, that's where we get our products from. That's where we have uh, our hub. Um, so he deals with that and the, the, the math side. Thank God I learned very, very quickly that I'm not very good when it comes to numbers. So that's his strength. So he deals with that and I deal with everything in the UK. Okay, and then when you decided to t expand your business, mm -hmm. is that when you had your trouble with the third investor? No, it was well before then. We weren't actually looking for uh, for an investor. We, we definitely weren't looking to get into a partnership, but I'm, I'm very, very big and everything happens for a reason and my Rosie is written. Um, and I, I, my love language anyway is giving. I, I, giving brings me so much joy. And so we do a lot of charity work. So we start, we were introduced to this gentleman as a, a wholesaler. So we started wholesaling to him. And um, I was a, a religious leader. And he contacted us saying he's opened this, this shop, a really, really big shop in, uh, in, a, in like a really prime location in Oldham. He's opened this shop for, to fund a madrasa but he knows nothing about clothes he knows nothing about anything and he wanted us to come on board so that we can run it and a percentage of that the profits would go towards this towards this um, establishment and that's perfect for us you know, that's that's who we are that that was the perfect setup and so even though we weren't looking for an investor or we weren't looking for a partnership we decided that this if we were going to do it this would be the right time to do it and this would be the right reason to do it so we started um for that reason and he was having, so the story that he told us was that he was having loads of problems um, with, with this establishment. And um, he, he had, to, had to take a step back from the business and he had to concentrate on that, otherwise he could lose it. Uh, and therefore he couldn't, sign, he, he couldn't really sit him down to sign any paperwork or anything like that. And we were, we were young, we were naive, and very gullible, and we thought, okay, we're doing it for a good cause, no problem at all. When you're ready, let's sit down, let's sign the paperwork. And within that time, again, like everything, we woke up in the morning, this is, the, this is our big break, this is what we were looking for. If we were given 100% before, we were given 200% to this. Um, and it was a massive, massive boutique, it was a massive shop. So trying to, to fill that, we most definitely didn't have the resources then. Everything that we did have, we'd already put into there. And so to fill the shop, we were taking out a lot of loan, um, a lot of credit. We filled the shop, it, it you know, started for everything from the layout to, marketing to strategies everything was in place and it was doing really really well um got we tried to get him to sit down didn't happen it didn't happen and then Atif and i started thinking okay obviously something's a, uh, it's a problem now and when we forced him to sit down um he came to the table and he said yeah no it's not happening and i want you guys out so we literally within that day we had the meeting within that day we 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 couldn't even go in to collect our belongings when we went back in um he had people there and you know they threatened to to use violence and so forth um so yeah at that point we left everything that we had and we we, we left so did you have all your stock inside everything as well? everything our, our stock was nothing it was a house we had a house it was nothing even though that was when we were in the house that was our everything um we had to go over we had to over exert ourselves to fill this shop and we had to create lines that we weren't even 
we weren't even uh, considering, um, collections that we were just maybe thinking about, we had to bring that in. So everything that we were thinking about that we would have, it maybe would have taken us two, three years, we had to fast track that. And we did that into this, into this shop. So after all of this went down, mm -hmm. obviously you're feeling gutted. And yeah, devastated. A lot of, lot of negative feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you come back up? So two things. Um, one, my mum is, is very, very religious. And one of the <coughs> things that she's always told us is her faith, her faith. And I think that was probably the lowest that I've ever felt in anything. That was pro probably the lowest point of my life. And we had people who came to us that were saying, oh, you know, you can get your money back this way and so forth. And we didn't want to do anything. We, we went into this for, for the right reasons. When we tried to reach out to him and speak to him, he, he just wasn't having any of it. So we thought we have two options now. We can either use our the rest of our energies to try to get that back. It didn't look like it was going to happen. Or now we can try to move forward. And we had that faith that everything was going to work out. I think that really helped us. And then the, the second thing, so, so mentally, our mind frame. I think when you're in that, when you're in that mind frame where you feel as though you're going to give everything else and you leave the rest to Allah, when you go through such a big loss, I think it makes it a lot more bearable. And then the second thing, and this is, I think this is a beautiful thing, we had, the people that we um, owed a lot of money to in, in India, we had a very new relationship. We knew that obviously we weren't going to, we were going to pay them back regardless of, if it meant I had, to, I had to work another 10 years to pay them back, we were going to pay them back. So we contacted them all and we said, look, we're not going to be able to meet the deadlines that you've put into place. This is what has happened. However, know that we will work the rest of our life to pay you back. And they said things that we will never, ever forget. That the gentleman, we've never even met, he said to us, um, okay, no problem. What are you doing now with clothes? What, what, you know, what's, your, what's, your, what's your plan? She said, I don't know. We just want to get out of this. I don't really know whether we want to continue. We were devastated. Everything that we thought we, we wanted was, it was in that shop and it was closed to us now. And um, we didn't have a particularly great response. We were doing really, really well in terms of business, but we weren't making the monies because we were purchasing not off uh, wholesale, it was a retailer, bringing it over, the shipping costs and everything was really, really high, we were selling mm. in the house. So yes, we were look, we looked like we were doing really well, but finance was saying that, yeah, actually, it's not, you know, you, you, it wasn't, we weren't doing very well. Um, so we said, we're not even really thinking about that kind of aspect of it. You know, we're thinking about maybe giving up. He said, don't give up. Don't worry about this finance. Give it to me whenever, if it takes you 10 years to give it to me, give it to me in 10 years, don't worry about that. But don't lose, don't lose hope and don't stop your business. And he said, okay, what do you need now to continue? I said, restock. He said, come to me, I'll give it to you. He gave us this support and this backing. And so we started, we continued and we restarted our business off, off, his, you know, off the back of, of his, his words. If you're comfortable sharing, how much money did you lose? A lot, everything. Five figures, six figures? Um, no, five figures. Um, as a 26-year-old... That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And like I said, I don't come from, I don't come from money. I don't come from money. Altaf, um, to come into the country, had to, he had to get, you know, he was in debt, etc. So that's a lot of money. And that is money that I thought would be my son's future. Yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was a big deal to lose everything. And I think not just finance, that, that's a knock of confidence. Yeah. That's a, you guys aren't good enough, you know, that it was, it was everything that we ever held sacred was taken away from us how, how long were you actually thinking of giving up was it like and when did you decide okay right we're not giving up was it like a week two weeks or was it a bit less than that no i think um 
anything that goes wrong in life for, for myself, the way that I look at it is I'll give myself a day, I'll go out for a coffee, I'll have conversations with myself and then it's okay, it's a new day now. I've sulked, I've cried, I've done everything, I've, I've prayed, I've done everything, now it's a new day. So, um, so usually I give myself a day. I think at that point we gave ourselves a little bit longer. Um, I think within, within him saying no um, to us having conversations and then having a conversation with our wholesaler in India, I think it was a week. So within a week, he, he came to us and said, no, don't, don't give up. And that gave continue. you the confidence to continue. He did, he did. This, I've never met him before. I've never met him. These were new lines that we were introducing. He had no reason to do this. He could have quite easily have said, okay, well, these are your penalties, pay it. And he didn't. He said, forget that. And he supported us. And that was, that was an amazing thing. And when we speak to him now, he's, he, um, he'll tell, you know, he tells us that I knew that you guys were going to do well. So yeah, that support came from somebody that we would never have expected. When, when did you... Um, when did you get your shop? Or was the shop you have now the first shop yes, you had? Yes, it's our first shop. Yeah, it's our first shop. What was your process and thinking behind that? It's a big step, it especially big after step. what you've gone through. It is a very big step. And Altaf is the numbers guy. And like I said, the world looked at us and think, oh my God, <clears> these guys are doing really well. And as far as appointments were going, as far as customers were going, we were doing really well. However, we were still purchasing off a retailer. So when you purchase off a retailer, you ship it over to the to the country, you're doing all of that. It doesn't make sense and you're selling it so, so low. When when we were looking at strategies, um, we listened to a Tobian and I feel as though it was Mufti, I'm gonna say it was Mufti Meng. And um, one of the th big things that he said was when, you, when you're when you doing, a, when you're looking at price points, when you do it where it's accessible to everybody, Allah was working in it for you. And I'm, I, like I told you, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. My, my rosy is written. If I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get reward from it, I'm going to do something and inshallah I'm going to please a lot. That's, that's what I want to do. And so when we were looking at price points, and that is why we are so accessible even today, because I want it to be where I'm not just making money, I want market in it. But when we were doing that in the shop, it didn't make any sense. When, sorry, in the house, it didn't make any sense. I was selling and I was selling at such a, a small, quanti uh, small profit margin that when you're taking my wage out and Altaf's wage out, and then on top of that you've got all the expense, etc., we were left sometimes with, very, with nothing. Um, so it didn't really make it didn't really make a lot of sense, um, but like I said, yeah, we you know we that's how we uh, that's how we started, and it, we wanted to sort of continue, uh, and we started with the shop because Altaf's very much the the number guy, so our our profits and our the, um, you know the, everything we're saying that you you can't really afford to, but I had the vision. I knew that if we continue, we learn, we grow. We'll, we'll be able to. So we looked at a number of shops um, and we, we realised that what we were looking for in terms of our budget, it was far too small. Uh, we can't really get anything that would be where we want to go for the next sort of five to six years. Um, we want something bigger, but our, our, the budget wouldn't allow it. So we, Altaf and I had long conversations, long, long conversations. Um, and being married uh, to, pers to a person who makes the decisions about the numbers, I think it really helps. And I think at the end of it, it was just a case of, yeah, it didn't, it's, it didn't really make sense financially, but I knew where I wanted to go and I had full faith that we were going to get there. And so Altaf and I made that decision more based on instinct than anything else. But I think business is a lot like that. Like yeah. Sometimes it's, you're not going to make sense financially yeah. straight away, but yeah. where you see yourself in five years, yes. 
then it all makes sense. Makes sense, the vision, yeah. So did you, at that time, was it national domination you had in your mind? No. World? No. I had something to prove to Altaf then. I, it was very much like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, I'm married to this guy. <laughs> this will be every conversation, every argument that we have. I told you not to open this shop. And so I just wanted it to be a success. Um, and that, that, that just meant balance sheets. <clears throat> that was it. That was it then. And it's only when I started. And I've always had this vision. But when you're, when you're starting from, when everything start, start, feels so scary, when you don't have any experience, when you don't have any knowledge, any backing, everything feels scary at that point. So at that point, I just wanted to, to survive. I wanted to go one year where... We don't go under. We're one year where we're actually, you know, making a profit, etc. Um, I mean, like I said, I was the el- I'm the eldest child, uh, so my, my siblings were so much more younger than I was. I was I was married. We didn't have things growing up. So as I was as we were making money, as we were making cash, not profit, as we were making cash, to be able to spend that on family, to be able to spend. I told you my love language is is giving. So to be able to do that felt so amazing, and so. I knew that I want. I knew that I had to make that a success, not just for me and for my boys, but also for you know my parents and my siblings. I walked into your shop. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a, about a month ago. Yeah. Um, when my wife yeah. told me to come in mm-hmm. and to introduce <laughs> myself to you. Yeah. Um, as she was, she had the personal shopping experience mm-hmm. with you. I think that day. Yeah. It was rammed. It nope. was busy. It was a quiet day for us. But for, from looking at the yeah. outside, I just saw yeah. every few seconds people walking in because yeah. I was standing at the front yeah. 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 Um, with your husband. Mm-hmm. How have you got to that stage? And for you, that's a quiet, quiet day. So how that's have you got to that day, stage? Yeah. Um, so, so two things. One, I don't look at what other people are doing. I don't look at what I should be doing in a situation. I look at what's the problem, what, what, what's the solution? Um, so that's the first thing. And we always put that into practice. So if, for example, like I've told you about, you know, when I, when I was speaking to you about in the house, customers weren't coming to me. Okay, what's the solution? I'm going to go to them. Um, I'm, not making, I'm not making enough money. What, you know, what's, what's the solution? So with everything, it's there's a problem. What's the solution? So by doing that, I'm able to put loads of things into practice and put loads of steps into practice that aren't conventional in an Asian clothing shop. But I knew that I, my business needed. So I think that's a big thing. What kind of things? Like an appointment system. Like you, you just mentioned about the personal shopper. The personal shopper is a, is, a big, is a big, big deal because we were having, yes, you're really, really busy. So what you saw was a quiet day. Usually there's, quite, there's queues out the doors. That's how busy we are. Um, so if people want to wear house chore, but they want that personal service. They want that one-to-one service. Okay, so that's how we introduce the personal shopper. People pay £20. It's fully refundable when you spend £85 or more, but it means there's a problem, and now I'm giving customers a solution. Doesn't, and then the second thing is, doesn't, it's not always going to work. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Why did it not work? And we're learning from it. As a customer, if you were to come into the boutique, we're, taking, we're collating information always. It's, why have you come in? Name numbers, so obviously you've got marketing. So that is real, that's a real customer giving their real name, real number, real email address. Why did you come into the boutique? Was it because you heard from us? How did you hear from us? Instagram? Okay, perfect. We're going to spend our monies there. If it was recommend a friend, perfect. The, the conversation out there in, in the world is House Maker Chore is doing great things. Um, we're, we're collating that information. They've come into the boutique. What price range? Um, so from the late, one of the latest collections that we, we introduced was a budget range. Um, and that was because a lot of people coming in, they were coming to us and saying that they were on a budget. 
And so we, we've, we've obviously then been, been able to establish that and we've made a budget range. So there's lots of information that we're collating. Customers are going to walk in anyway. How can I maximize that? How can I use that to my advantage? And that's literally with every single aspect of, of, of our, our business day. That's what it is. From customers to the layout. You, if you, when you've walked into the shop, you would have seen it's very different to other Asian boutiques. And there is a reason why the boutique number one, uh, booth number one is where it is. There's a reason why we have signs the way that it is. Every single thing is, is thought out. There's a process behind it. And like I said, some processes work and some don't. And if it doesn't work, that is okay. Like I said, why did it not work? Was it just for that customer for that particular day? Or was it, okay, this is an error. We need to stop. If we're stopping, why are we stopping? Are we bringing it back in, in another time of the year? All those kind of things. So those two things really work. I think business is a lot about trial and error anyway. Yeah. And especially when the marketing aspect, like for example, okay, you're not getting customers through Instagram, then why is it not through Instagram? Yeah. Let's try something else. Yeah. Or is it through leafleting, the old school method, does that work? So business is a lot about mm -hmm. trial and error, but mm -hmm. I think the key thing is not giving up. Yeah. And having that perseverance that, okay, yes, it's not worked this time, but next time we're going to tweak it mm -hmm. and you're going to tweak it again. Yeah. And I think as a business owner myself, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect system yes. because you're always looking to tweak it. 100%. Is that how you felt as well? 100%. And I think as a woman in, in business, I think it's always <coughs> hard anyway and there is always that pressure. As a mum, I'm giving that time. I'm giving, it's, taking it, it's taking away from somewhere. Is it taking away from the boys, my husband, my mum? I said, whatever it's taking away from, it's taking it away. I want to make sure that my time, when I use it, it's used effectively. So the pressures are always there. I'm not going to succumb to it. I'm, I'm going to use it to my advantage and I'm going to, you know, trial. And a lot of people, a lot of things that we've gone through is because we've just persevered and we've, we've continued at it. But also, and I love what we do. And I think that really helps. I think if you love what you do, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how mundane the task or how hard it is. If you, can, if you love it, you're able to do it. Where do you get your energy from? Because my wife tells me, <laughs> Because it's like you're on <laughs> some kind of booster or something, which because you're literally a superwoman from the moment you wake up to because your office hours of your shop opening hours yeah. of notice is one to six. Yes, we get and into a lot of trouble for that. People say it's too short. Yeah, because it's, it's not normally you have them. I think Asian shops are like eleven to eight. Yeah, yeah. And plus, you're not in the Asian hubs no. like. Birmingham yeah, or Green yeah. Street or whatever. Pe people come very specifically for us. People travel all across the country specifically for us. And that was another thing. When we're looking for a pro that's the thing. I think if you know your business and you know your strengths, you can use that. You know, you're, you're, so if I was somebody who was very new, I most definitely, I don't think I would have gone to somewhere like Halliwell Road in Bolton. Um, but I knew that we already had a very established base. I knew my products were great. I know my prices cannot be beaten. And therefore I can open up shop anywhere. At the time it was pricing I wanted to get um, something where it was big enough uh, but the pricing was right so I think it, it, if you know your strengths and your weaknesses I think it really really works but to go back to your question um, a lot of people don't know I actually suffer from chronic fatigue syndrome and so I I have a very high threshold for pain so I can't I can't feel pain so I went to um, a doctor in in London not so long ago and he was looking at you know, his, my body and so forth and he was like do you know you have um a very you have pain in the back of, in your lower back um, and it's almost like a slip it's not there yet but it's really I was like hmm I can't feel pain and because I can't feel pain I or I have a very high threshold for pain 
I can't understand when it's time to relax, when it's time not to do things. So that coupled with the fact that I wake up every morning thinking I am going to live my life to the fullest today. Today is the day where I am going to give it 150%. So it's a very deadly combination. But in terms of business, I think it really works. It means I can do silly hours. I can give it my everything. And I think it works. That and coffee. I need to stop plugging Costa. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think those two things really work. Are your main customers shopping for weddings? Um, An occasion, yeah. Party wear. So whether that's a wedding, whether that's a a bridal shower, whether that's a a hiv ceremony, um, an occasion, yeah. So during... Covid, yes. obviously, yeah. a lot of that stopped. Trading yeah. stopped as yeah. well, yeah. and yeah. for a long time, yeah. weddings and occasions were a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. How did you adapt? So two things with that. Um, one, my husband just before Covid decided that actually he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to continue with clothing business. He wants to do something completely different. And I loved the business. I said, I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to continue. Um, so just before Covid hit. I had to make all these plans about what I was going to do with the business and so forth, and he, like I said, he was going to exit. Just before that, just before he was able to sign, um, COVID hit. So he was then with, within the business, but I had taken, instead of it being sort of uh, half and half now, I was in sort of the leading chair. Um, so the, the, the two years that we were closed for COVID gave me the perfect opportunity to work on everything else that, that I had neglected. We were just an Asian boutique, uh, but I wanted to use those two years to to really work on everything that I wanted, explore new things. Um, so I, I think it really worked in my favour. Uh, and then I knew that as soon as things opened, there was nobody knew what nobody knew what was going to happen. But we were going to go back to some sort of normality. I knew normality normality would look different or may look different, but we would go back to normality. People are going to get married regardless of what happens. So I was ready. I was ready for. That, that influx of customers who weren't able to get married in two years. And we were ready to the point where we had so many customers. Uh, our, our, um, our count of people who came through the door went up by three times. Within that period, went up by three times and we were ready. We'd, we'd contacted um, our hubs in India. We had all of our workforce. Um, we had, we'd continued to pay them. So even though in, during COVID, we had to let a lot, you know people were letting people go. We continued to pay them, and we said, as soon as we call you, come straight back. We're, we're going to be ready, and we were in a really great opportunity. I think we were one of the very few people who had a massive workforce at their disposal, so we were able to order. We were able to um, offer customers new products. I think we took advantage of that of the situation. What's your setup like in India now? Is it you have? You have a team there, like a staff yeah. there. Yeah, we have several teams. We have our own teams now, um, who make up, and we make our own products. So now, obviously, you're getting them at a lot better rate. Yeah, so we've not increased the price. The price point's still pretty much the same, but now where we were getting at high volume, we were selling it, you know, quite quite cheap. Now we're getting it lower. We're still we're still maintaining that. Um, and like I said, now we've opened, we've uh, introduced the the, the budget range. Um, so our price point is even even better. I think it's accessible to everybody now. How do you manage a team so far away? I'll have deals with India. Yeah, I'll have deals with the team. And it does really, really well. Um, uh, we have management in India that we trust really, uh, you know, wholeheartedly. Uh, I'll usually goes every few months. Um, we go in December. So we we have a lot of 
we have a, we have a really great team. Uh, and then, of course, every every evening, every morning, we're speaking to our team um, abroad. Um, we have a lot of video calls, so we, we're constantly liaising with them. What's your day to day like now? Because okay, you're open between one to six, yeah. five days a week, yeah. I think. Yeah. And obviously, that's not your working hours. No. Because no. I've yeah. seen TikTok lives at yeah. ten pm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So what's your day to day like? Our working day starts at six in the morning because I've seen India is a number of hours earlier. So our working day starts at six. Um, we we'll get up. Artaf will have a team a meeting with the team, uh, and then will Artaf and I will have a very quick meeting. Um, he'll he'll very quickly tell me about what's going on in India and then whatever else he's working on during the day and I'll report back to him about what, what I've got going on. Um, so we start off with planning. I, I always plan the day before. I feel as though that really, really helps. If I know what I'm going what I'm doing when I get up in the morning, I can get up and, and just do it. I can't really sleep very well at night though. So that does change. So when I wake up in the morning, I might have had this, this and this and then it'll change um, ever so slightly. And so six, we start. The boys wake up about eight-ish, so six to eight, it's tasking, getting the chunk of the business done. Eight o'clock, we'll start with uh, with the boys, eight to nine, um, drop them off to, to school, and then we start our working day. So t- nine till uh, 12, a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings. A lot of people don't, I think they don't realise that if you're trying to run a boutique, it's not just a case of, oh yeah, it's just agent clothes. There is a lot that's involved. I want to make sure that if something, if there's a style um, that's working well, I want to make sure that I have full stock. If there's a style that I've seen uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have requested, um, but we've not really set up for that yet, I want to make sure that we've got that kind of stock in. Uh, the pe- right people are in the right positions to make sure that they they get in the stock that we that's needed. Um, the the team that we have in at the shop, I want to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing. Is there a way that I can I can improve? Is there a way that I can help? Uh, you know, all of our team members work better. All those kind of things happen between sort of nine to twelve, and then the team start coming in from about half twelve. So your shop closes at six. Seven right now. Yep. Yeah. Let's say six. What do you do after that? Oh, because it doesn't finish. No, that. it doesn't. So Altaf's um, job is India. So Altaf will place all the orders. That's customer orders, but also shop. We want to make sure we we constantly have. Stocks we've identified obviously greens and reds and what sells and so forth. So we we want to make sure we've we've constantly got enough stock, um, enough greens. And because of how because of how accessible our prices are, we rely on how how uh, little our profit margin is. We only make a profit if we sell larger quantities. So another boutique will sell one, for example, and we'll make the money. And we would have to do two to three to to get the same kind of um, same kind of profit. So for us, the numbers have to match. We need to make sure we have the stock and we have to have it right. And we have to have the right quantity at the right time. So all of that Altaf will do. And I look at numbers. How many people came in? Is it a decline? Is it, you know, on point? Why, if we had more people come in, why? Um, booths, what kind of booths were they looking at? All those kind of things. So I'm looking at the day-to-day running and he's and Altaf's looking at stock, etc. Again, the team in India, really lovely. Even though there's a massive time gap, they'll wait for us to call, we'll place orders, we'll have a, a meeting with them. Um, and then once that's finished, once the, the boutique's finished and what the day-to-day running is finished, we're looking at tomorrow, we're looking at next week, we're looking at the weekend. Um, so that doesn't really finish till about eight, nine. Uh, and then after that, it's 
whatever else we, we need to do at the time. So that could be boys going back home, obviously seeing see to them. Um, and then, or then on occasion, it's extra things like TikTok and live sessions, etc. So what, what do you get out of the TikTok lives? So I'm really, I'm not a social media person. I really do not like social media. I understand the value that it brings. I understand how important it is to, ha to have social media, but I'm not, I don't like going in front of a camera. That's not who I am. Um, so when I was, in, when TikTok was introduced to me, when TikTok Live was introduced to me, the team were like, you need to do it. I was like, oh my God, no. But the idea, and it's worked really, really well. It is, we want people to know about how to make a chore. We want, it, we want people to know um, about our products. We have so many people who come into the boutique and they travel from everywhere. However, because we're not a conventional Asian clothing brand, we work very, very different. So it's, we want to get the name out there. We want to get, we want people to know all the different things that we operate because we do offer so many different things than, than other uh, boutiques. If you're, you don't like getting your face out there. No. But on Instagram, you do it quite a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> when did you start getting that confidence to say, you know what, it will work? Because your Instagram is growing. Mm -hmm. You're getting customers through Instagram. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's making money for mm -hmm, you. Mm -hmm. I probably don't do it as much as I should do. Uh, and it is, it is very much, I'm a very private person. I'm a very private person. I don't like point things out that we do on show. I don't like that. And I grew up with very little and I had family members who had a lot. So as a child, when you grow up and you see other people having things, naturally, you, you know, you yearn for things. And I would hate for somebody to look at my social and because you, social media only highlights the positive. Mm. They don't they don't highlight the struggle. It doesn't highlight the struggle. So I would hate for somebody to look at my social and think, oh my God, she lives an amazing life and not know the rest of it, not know the full story. And that's, that's, that's the problem that I have with social media. So that's why I don't do it as much as I should do. However, like you said, I know how, how valuable it is and it does, it really, really works. So I do it, I do it because I'm forced to do it. But if I had it my way, I, I, I probably wouldn't do it. But for any business out there that wants to grow, social media is, is the thing to do. You don't document your full days, do you? Not at all. Would you do it? Because I think that would give people yeah, a bit more of an yeah, understanding. Yeah. Um, so I am constantly told, the team are constantly telling me that I should, that I should do it. Um, I don't, I don't know what the future is going to. I'm not going to say never. It could be that you know we, we start doing it, but at the moment we don't do it. And like I said, for that reason, it's 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 a very 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 fine line. You don't know how. I don't know how something is perceived. I don't ever want it to be where somebody, like I said, looks at it and feels 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 bad because of what I put on social media. And that's something that I don't think I I don't sleep very well at night with. Especially because my love language is giving. I want to give, and for something to be taken in a negative way, I don't. I don't know. That doesn't really doesn't feel comfortable with me. So maybe I'll never be feel comfortable with it. But I do try. Um, my eldest is very private. Um, so Monday, when I talk to you about being very meticulous, Monday is one of the things that I do on Monday is um, a food plan for the week. So. Friday, when we have our family meal, the family get together, who wants what? So my son will, will decide on two things. My husband will decide on two things. My youngest will decide on two things. So come Monday, everything shopping's done. I'm fully prepared and I've got the Monday to make everything. And I think that really, really works for me. As a working mum who's got a very busy lifestyle, planning and uh, working really helps. And so I started documenting that and I felt that, that I got a lot of uh, positive response from that. 
and I think a lot it helps a lot of people. However, my eldest doesn't post on social either, and he was he came to me and said, "Mom, I don't really want you posting things that I eat and what I do on social media." So again, you know, he just fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. So that's something that we we no longer do. So as a family, we are very private. I don't think that there's anything that people would want to see. Um, that I think would be taken in a positive way. I think it depends. I think if, and obviously it's a lot of it's of how you put it out there. Yeah. But I think with the way you are and the way you've run your business with your husband, I think it would encourage a lot of other people to say, you know what, if you have a vision, just chase it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's also about you having the time to do that. Yes. Oh no, definitely no time. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely can be. And I'm, I'm all for... I think we put limitations on ourselves. If I had listened to anybody, I wouldn't have started the business. When I first started the business, because I knew so, I knew nothing about Asian clothing, all of my closest confidence was telling me not to start. My siblings were saying don't do it, my parents were saying don't do it, friends were saying don't do it. Had I have listened, I wouldn't have done it. So I can I can 100% understand um, the value that it would that it would bring to see to see something like that. But I don't know, I'm just not comfortable yet. Your eldest Mika. Yeah. He's 16 now, yeah. so it's a very key phase in his life yes. in terms of what's he going to do. Yeah, yeah. You didn't go to uni. Yeah. Would you encourage him to go or would you say, because you said he's not business minded. Yeah. He's very book smart. He's very, very book smart. So that is the plan for him. That is what he wants to do. Um, he's just finished private school. He's going into college now. And then the idea <coughs> is for him to continue with education. Um, but I don't think that there is, there is definitely not a plan to success. There's no path to, to guaranteed success. It is quite literally, we all have strengths, we have weaknesses. Let's play towards your strength. And you do something, you do it with 100% and it's halal. I think you, you're going to be successful. Success really is contentment, isn't it? When you, if you have everything but you don't have contentment, what really, what, what you know, does it matter? And so as long as he's content, He's given it his 100%. He can wake up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm really happy to be doing this. That is all that I ask for. You speak a lot about your faith mm -hmm. and how your rosy is written mm -hmm. and your mum's du'as and everything. Mm -hmm. What role does your faith and your belief play in your business? The biggest, the biggest. I think every time we make a decision, it is what does Islam say? 100%. I have, I have full faith that... If, if I'm supposed to get something, nobody's going to take it away from me. Um, but at the same time, I'm never going to get more. And that, so I, I know if I'm going to get something, I can get it the wrong way or the right way. Why would I choose the wrong way? You know, and I think the other thing is that I don't listen to what other people say. If somebody's saying something negative, they're going to say it anyway. People speak, it doesn't, doesn't really affect me. Why would I let somebody else's opinion change what I'm going to do? If, I, if I've done something and I've done it for the right reasons, and I know that I can go to God and... I'm not going to have any negativity. That's fine. I'm, that's what I'm going to choose. But I wasn't always like that. How do you cope with people's negative? Doesn't affect me. From really from the beginning. From the very beginning, yeah, it doesn't affect me. Um, but how how do you make sure it doesn't affect you? Because there must be times where like, why did the person say this or? They they have been um, <coughs> even recent, very recently. Uh, somebody said something that is 110 percent not not true. Yeah, I can I can sit here and I can defend myself and I can talk about what you know what she did was wrong and so forth. What's that going to bring? I with chronic fatigue, one of the things that I have, one of the things that I've learned is I only have limited reserve of energy. 
Okay, so that's like money. You've, you've got £1,000 in the bank, for example. Okay, you've got £1,000 in the bank. You can choose how to spend that. Why would you spend that on something negative? No, I'm not going to spend it on something negative. What's, what for what? Somebody else to say, oh yeah, she was in the right. No. I'm going to spend that in a way that I see fit. I'm going to spend that in some way that, that's going to bring me comfort and it's going to help my family, something that's going to bring us joy. That's what I'm going to spend it on. And it's the same with, with people. People are going to speak regardless. I think your laser focus in your business and on your family just helps in that. Yeah. Because it's like, this person said yeah. whatever. Because yeah. you're going to get negativity. That's yeah. just the way yeah. life is. Yeah. But this is my vision and this is what I'm running towards. And it's I like you just have obstacles in a way and you just have to yeah, navigate, navigate around, it. around it. Yeah. And I think the other thing that really helps me <coughs> is, I'm so alone, is the, the best, isn't he? And he got so much hate and negativity and, you know, and who am I? So things like that really, really help me. And my mom is very religious. And I think growing up in that kind of household really helps. Miguel is very, very religious. And I think things like that help. And then we stay grounded. Um, and, we, and I don't have a very large group of friends, people that I definitely speak to and people that associates, but very, very few people that I would class as friends. So I'm very conscious of who I let into my circle. And if they don't have the same mindset as me, if they don't believe, you know, share the same beliefs as me, then yeah, you know, it'll be it'll, it's nice to have to speak to people, but they're not people that I'm going to hold as 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 like high regards as friends. And I think if you if you're selective with what kind of energy you allow into your space around your family, I think that really helps as well. I've noticed that with a lot of business owners, is they have a very close friend circle, mm -hmm. and if they have negative around them they just distance themselves because yeah, you need that positivity to continue yeah. going yeah because obviously negativity yeah. just it's like a it drains your battery it really does i'll give you a really good example so in our household we don't believe in quitting um if there is a problem there's a solution sometimes the solution is okay i don't want to do this anymore um so to so don't get me wrong when i say we don't, we don't believe in yeah. we don't quit but we don't look at something and say, okay, it's too hard, or oh, why has this happened? There's a problem, there's a solution. And Mikhail, um, he's now in Alim class. Again, it's all from his own accord. Uh, but he, when he was really young, he, he learned Surah Yasin by himself. He learned the, the last three, the, the you know, 30th bar, by, all, everything by himself. I didn't do anything for, I didn't help him or anything. He just wanted to learn it by himself. And naturally, even now, you come into the boutique when he's upstairs you, and he's in his, in his element, he's just praying Quran Sharif. He's at home, he's constantly praying because he's always been around that. We don't, when, we, uh, when he was younger, we didn't have a TV. The TV in the house was a CCTV. And when we had um, a few moments, we would listen to Quran Sharif or Nizams and things. So when you're surrounded by that, naturally, that's what you let in. So therefore, you, you, you know, you're praying that. Um, and like I said, my mum's very religious. So my mum would always make us pray, learn Surah Yasin. So I think it started from that and then he just continued. Um, so naturally he's very, and if you talk to him about his strengths, he'll say that he can, anything to do with Islam comes to him very quickly. Um, so naturally that's his strength. So he started doing uh, Ali, uh, Hibs class. When he started Hibs class, his, the, the teachers at the time said, no, no, you're far too young, etc. As a parent, I knew he was ready and he wanted to do it. The teachers were saying, no, no, he's, he's far too young. Um, come back next year. So we, we went back next year. And I'm not somebody who, if I feel as though something's right, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll do it. I won't really listen to what other people have said. I'll, I'll have much where I will talk, we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, and then at the end of it, if I still feel as though, no, this is the right thing to do, this is what I'll do. The very, the very first time I listened to somebody else about 
about my child, uh, it was don't do it. So I said, okay, let's not. We didn't do it. Came back next year. Next year, um, they said, no, 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 he's still far too young. Come back the year after. And I was really worried that he's going to lose focus, he's going to lose interest. His other friends had already started the year before and so forth. Um, so I said to the teacher, with all due respect, I think he's ready. If, if not, this, you know, we'll take him elsewhere, etc. And, um, and they said, no, it's fine. You know, you can start. So he started. And then the conversations around, um, <coughs> around that was... Don't don't do it if you're gonna if you're not gonna do it properly. Don't do it at all. You know the, the normal advice that you yeah. get. However, this is the first time he's ever he's ever been introduced to leaving. He's ever been introduced to negativity. He's ever been introduced to, if you don't want to do something, you just leave it. And so he came home one day and he said, "Oh, mama, no, I no longer want to do it. Why? Because the the people that he'd surrounded himself with were saying that you can't do two things. You can't go to private school and." become a half is you just can't do it um not you personally but generally if you're doing two things you can't you need to be you can't divide yourself you've got to have one focus you've got to do you've got to do just that so he actually went to listen to what other people were saying and he decided that he no longer wanted to do it now we don't push we encourage um we we have conversations and you know and so forth but we n it's never a case of you're gonna do this when he came to me and said it i was devastated he didn't start for me he started for himself when he started he i knew that he was in a, this is something that he's really good at something that he's always done and when he when he started talking to me about that it became very apparent that he wanted to stop because of what other people were saying are you finding it hard no is it something that you don't want to do no has your um, perspective changed no it was literally because other people were saying to to the class if you don't want it, if you, you know, if you're not, if you're finding it hard or whatever, you should just quit. And he's, he, he took that on. And he was such a, he was such a young age, you know, he no longer, he left Alim class and, uh, so he had his class and now he's becoming an Alim again of his own accord. And now when you talk to him, he says that he, he wished that he never stopped. He wants to continue. And after Alim class, he wants to go back to Hafiz. But that was because he listened to other people around him. So. I think a lot of his, even like conversations within your family or with yourself, it's, it's how you word it. So if there's a problem and you say, okay, I'm going to quit or I can't do it, you're, you're telling your brain you can't do it. No, 100%. But if there's a problem mm -hmm. and you say, how can I solve it? Yes. You're asking your brain to think of yes. solutions. Yeah. Or how can I do it? Yeah. Or how can I afford it? Yeah. Then you're asking your brain to, and it's like a, a ticking thing that, okay, yes. let's find the solution. If you say, I can't do it, your brain just shuts down. Yeah, 100%. Psychology is so, in our minds, it's, it's so strong. <clears throat> Just a few questions before we finish. Yeah. Um, if you had a 16-year-old Fatima sitting next to you today, mm -hmm. what would you say to her? Don't be too cocky. <laughs> when, when, I was, when I was 16, uh, I didn't realise... When, you, when, you when, you, when you're young and you have youth on your side, um, you don't realise what what the world really is you don't realize um you don't there's a lot of things that you don't realize and so i think we, we made that big mistake uh with with um the the uh the other gentleman because i just thought i was very naive just thought that it, you know it'd be fine everything would be fine everybody's like us kind of thing um so yeah i think that's a that's a big deal and secondly just to trust the process you will be where you need to be if you trust the process just allow it to happen and what one advice would you give to anyone who wants to go into business or follow a vision? Do it. Do it, do it, do it. The worst that can happen is that it doesn't work. Like this, when I, again, when I talk back to, to you about um, 
and we went into the business and it didn't work, I can talk to you about how many more amazing things that happened at the back of it. I didn't know about, so he, um, he introduced us to Saris, he introduced us to uh, a, a very large customer base that we knew nothing about. He introduced us to so, so Saris, a, a wholesaler that helped us you know, all along the way. There's so many great things that can happen. And so, yeah, ne negative will happen, you know, maybe even a loss and what, whatnot. But also, if you look at the positive, loads of great things can happen. A quick fire session before we finish. Okay. Um, favourite food? Biryani at the moment. At the moment? Yes. Favourite holiday destination? Oh, Turkey! <laughs> You're going? Yeah, right. yeah, straight after this, yeah, we're going Turkey. For a very long time, however, it was, um, I don't like Turkey. No, not that I don't like Turkey. Turkey was the only place that we could have gone because of my husband's passport situation. Um, visa, very, very quick. And so Turkey was something that we were forced to go to. Went to Morocco, the last time we went to Morocco. As much as I loved it, it, um, it made me realise just how much I love Turkey. So probably somewhere we want to be tired to. Favourite book? Um, Outliners. Is that a fiction book? No. Um, Non-fiction? Uh, no, it's a fiction book. Oh, it's yeah. a fiction book. Yeah, it's about success. Favourite TV show? If you have time to no, watch TV. No. Oh, you don't watch TV, you don't have a TV. We do now. We do now, but yeah, I don't, have, I don't watch TV. And favourite day of the week? Friday. Why? It's your day off. Oh, no, we don't have a day off. Come on, don't be silly. Um, no. It's the day the shop's closed. <laughs> yeah. um, no, Friday because we have a, a meeting with Elsaf in the morning. And that's a, a, the meeting is a whole holistic view of the business. And I love that. I love when you're so focused on the day to day running and you be, when you're able to see how well or how bad the business is done. And that excites me. So that morning um, and then straight after that, we have I have a, a morning where I'll just go out for coffee just by myself. It's a half an hour, quick job. So that's for me. And then it's Jumma. So just to be able to sit on the salah and just talk to to Allah and complain and that's a that's a biggie and then we have family we have a, a movie session straight after in the evening so it's a family we all get together and we'll watch a movie and yeah it's a nice thing I forgot to ask this question but what's your plans for House of Mika? Oh world domination um so we're currently working on new collections again this this busy summer uh, we've identified loads of things, so we're working on that, inshallah. Um, we want to introduce a new service that's very, very different. I'm not sure how that's going to work, so that's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see that. What's the new service? Is it secret or can it's it be an exclusive? Secret, yeah. it, um, the, the fact that you know that it's a new service, that, that's an exclusive, but it is very different, so watch out. And I just want to build the team now. I want to start growing um, as much as we can in terms of the team. Just before... We sign off. Yeah. Message from my wife. Mm -hmm. She says yeah. that yours is the only Asian shop, yeah. Asian clothes shop, which you go. She goes in and mm -hmm. she says, "I don't want this. I want mm -hmm. this, this, this." Mm -hmm. And you show exactly that. Everywhere yeah. she goes, she says that they just try and sell her something else, or they try and cover it up, or whatever it is. Yeah. So that customer service, apparently. For you, yep. is top notch. <laughs> love it. I love so that's it. a bit of a video testimonial. <laughs> An exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. No, Alhamdulillah, <coughs> we're, we're, we're so, so lucky to have such amazing customers. Like, your wife is amazing, Alhamdulillah. And we have loads of amazing customers. And we're able to really give that 
that service because we listen to customers. When they come in, we're so busy. We only have that five minutes with a customer, 10 minutes with a customer. I wanna make sure that every single person gets the best service when they walk through that door. And that's why we ask questions. And sometimes I think when customers, when they've come to us for the first time, they're probably thinking, why is she asking so many questions? But it is because of that. We wanna be able to deliver the best service. We want you to walk out that door feeling like, I've had an amazing experience. And sales is about listening. Yeah. It's not about talking. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Fatima, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you. Jazakallah for having us. That's okay.